Welcome to Humans of Twitter, a podcast where we discover the stories behind the people behind the Twitter accounts. People that are interesting, opinionated, and surprising. I'm your host, Steve Malkin. Today, I'm speaking with someone who describes themselves as journo, author, stand-up, big mouth, mum, adventurous. That's enough for now. Zzz. Humans of Twitter is their stories in their words, in a little more than 140 characters. Please welcome today's edition to the Humans of Twitter list, Wendy Harmer. How do you do? Oh, look, I'm doing exceedingly well, Wendy. In social settings, how do you introduce yourself? Um, well, it's a very funny thing, you know, uh, Steve, that often mm-hmm. I don't get to introduce myself, which is a bit disappointing in some ways, but I'll tell you a little story. There were a whole heap of us who were, a few years ago, invited to Kirribilli to meet Julia Gillard. Yes, and uh, she went around the around the you know the group and said people introduced themselves and said oh hello I'm so and so and hello I'm so and so and she got to me and she said oh I know who you are <laughs> and I, I I I really wasn't I really wasn't sure whether that was a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> But that uh, does happen to me sometimes. That people go, "Oh, I know you are. You're Denise Drysdale." <laughs> How is Moonface? <laughs> uh, yes, I've been mistaken for Denise Drysdale for years and years because we used to have our, you know, fringe cut the same mm-hmm. and our hair cut the same. And I was actually looking at some pictures of her on Studio Ten the other day. I thought. Actually, I do look a bit like Denise Drysdale. I think the older we get, the more similar we are. Is that a bad thing, though? Oh, old ladies all look the same. We know that. <laughs> You're not that old. I just turned 60. You're not a day over 55, oh, Wendy. Thank you so much. What makes you smile, Wendy? Ah, well, I've just come in from the garden and mm-hmm. the chickens have been helping me out. They always do. They're hilarious. They, 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 they come up really close. Everything they put in, they dig out. That's not the funny part. But they're after the worms and the slaters and whatever. So I can never do anything without the chickens being there. That I always find that, you know, pretty funny. But, I mean, I laugh at, and smile at, at most things. I mean, I, I sound like a real... Pollyanna when I say this I suppose or Miss Goody Two Shoes but I get um I think I have a, a an aha an Oprah aha moment every day almost mm-hmm. I've got a 15 year old daughter and um she's just the most fantastic dancer and yeah. she's really really cute so this morning I was treated to an entire dance routine to the new Justin Bieber song I mean <laughs> it's divine I mean, Excellent. how can you not smile? It's brilliant. Absolutely. Mm. Kids, they're so enthusiastic about <laughs> things that they don't understand. <laughs> well, the new Justin Bieber song is great, actually, because all the girls, I mean, I don't think it's the official trailer, but all the girls are on there um, dancing and twerking, but they're not in bondage and discipline gear and high <laughs> heels and lingerie. They actually look like real girls. Real, like they're wearing clothes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Real body shapes and they're wearing sort of sneakers and, oh, well, you know, I just love it because it's been really interesting for me and a lot of fun to relive all those fangirl days through May. Mm-hmm. And just a couple of days ago when Justin Bieber was in town, she said, okay, I'm going off to go and find him. 
<clears throat> and I said, oh, okay. So a few of them went off. And so I was receiving text messages all day. Mum, mum, uh, you know, I'm outside his hotel. Mum, I'm, I'm in the front row at the X Factor. Mum, I just touched him. <laughs> mum. This, this was a little bit concerning. Mum, we're up on the floor in his hotel outside his door talking what? to a security guy. This was like, okay, that'll do. Thank you. That'll do. You can come, <laughs> you can come home now. <laughs> but oh, it's just, it's hilarious for me because actually years ago, I wrote a play um, mm. for a, 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 a theatre group in Sydney. It was called Backstage Pass. And it was about these two girls who were chasing their, fan, you know, they were fangirls of this rock star called Stax Jackson. And uh, it was all about them kind of hanging out in front of his hotel. And then their mother came to get them and admitted that she'd actually crawled through a vent in the hotel to try and get to the Beatles. So some things just do not change, Steve. They don't change. <laughs> Who did you chase down in Sydney, Wendy? Um, well, I, I lived um, – Oh, well, I was, I just loved entirely. I loved the monkeys. And I was living mm. in Victoria then in the Dandenongs at Upway High. I was going to Upway High. That's the same school Red Simons went to, by the way. Oh, nice. Mm. And uh, I remember very vividly the day that the monkeys came to Melbourne and I wasn't able to get there. And we all sat in the quadrangle. It was about 10 of us and just wept for the whole <laughs> hour because I couldn't get to see the monkeys. There you go. There you go. Have you met someone that, you know, massive profile or because you've had your chance to speak to some stars that thoroughly underwhelmed mm. you? Um, I wasn't all that whoops on Willem Dafoe, I've got to tell you. <clears throat> mm. He was a bit surly for my taste. Um, um, I've met some gorgeous ones. Jeff Goldblum was probably my favourite. Um <clears throat> There was, oh, there's, I remember when we interviewed J-Lo mm. and uh, we were sitting around waiting for her to appear and her makeup artist came in to sort of, you know, to talk to us and her all, whole entourage before she appeared. And she said, oh, the most amazing thing is she hardly wears any makeup at all. She really does. She's just got the natural look. And when J-Lo actually arrived, I swear to God, you, there, were, there were barely any facial features left. And it, she just looked like, you know, her eyes were like two currants in a sort of a, a, in a bun, you know, like a, a flowery bun. And there was actually one point where she sort of went, oh, my God, and she slapped her cheek and there was this poof of uh, powder, you know, that, that went up. You know, so yeah, I've met lots and lots of stars. The kids are really depressed that I'm not uh, famous on the radio now because um, I can't get tickets. And Maeve said, "Oh, of course, said, sometimes Mum. if you were still on Today FM, would you have been able to, you know, help me meet Justin Bieber?" And I went, "Oh yeah, probably does." <laughs> she completely doesn't. <laughs> She would like to, uh, you know, go back in time. But, yeah, I met, I met heaps of stars. It was fantastic. Got to go to the Oscars uh, yes. a couple of times, went to the Emmys. Yeah, brilliant times. What do you make of the, the state of Sydney radio then today, given your, well, you are hardcore in the middle of it and doing very well? 
Yeah, I, we were there, I would say from 92 to 2000 and what would it be? Peak Sonia Dada era. Yeah, yeah, that's right. To about 2003 or four, I think. Yep. And um, we topped the ratings in that time, the old morning crew. Well, I think one of the things that I think um, has probably gone missing is um, it's all now about celebrity and interviewing celebrities mm. and having them on all the time. And I think in our day it was more about making the listener the star and we would go to really elaborate lengths to create real stories around our listeners, I guess, and um, and, and and as I say, make them the stars of the show rather than just celebrities because I think celebrities are pretty boring by and large. Mm. So I think that that, that, is, that is missing a bit. And um, I, think that, I think the tide is changing on the serial outrage. I think everybody has had enough of that. So mm. maybe it will swing back uh, the other way again. Would you give it all up for a moment in the sun as a celebrity again? Oh, but yeah, <laughs> give what up? <laughs> I mean, um, no, 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 no. The chooks? No, 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 no. I mean, you know, I had it all. I had all of this at the same time that I was doing all that high-profile stuff. Mm. Um, walking, you know, walking down red carpets has never sort of been my particular, you know, favourite thing. Um no, I'm, I'm, you know, just I, I find there's a funny misconception about career, I think, and that is this idea that we have that you get on <clears throat> like an escalator at the bottom and it goes till you reach some mythical landing at the top, you know, and then mm-hmm. it's a sort of a it's a sort of a straight ascendancy, but of course it doesn't work like that. It, it it takes, you know, it's more like a roller coaster, really. I mean, it takes various <laughs> uh, turns and twists and everything, and then you go through a tunnel and you get wet, and then you, <laughs> then you're coming down a hill, screaming your head off or wanting to die, and then it ratchets up a bit more, and so it's it's, it's quite different to how you imagine it to be, and you never really, you never really end up anywhere. I don't think. Is that as much as anything, though, the stock that we place in celebrity that you never really end up anywhere and nothing's that different, or is it that maybe as an audience we're too fickle these days? Well, look, I think it for the people who who do end up um, having those opportunities and careers like mine, it, 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 it was sort of brilliant because it's given me the lifestyle that I have now. You know, I made really, really, really good money uh, mm. in those days. So it does have all that fantastic effect. I'd be completely stupid if I didn't say that sort of professional success isn't isn't worth, uh, <laughs> you know, going after. I'm an artist. Yes, but that, that would be stupid, you know. Um, but... No, I don't think I don't think it's so much fickle. I was actually listening to a program the other day. Um, I didn't hear all of it, but the one little takeout message I got was about the music industry, and that, mm. that it had been predicted a long time ago that there would be a thing called proliferation, 
where it would get to the point that there was so much to choose from, so much material, that careers wouldn't be, you know, and this seems pretty obvious, that they careers wouldn't be what they used to be, you know, with the fracturing of um, of media that we have now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's a really tough. And, I, I, I mean, I think it's sort of sad for all those people starting out, especially in music biz or, or you know, in comedy or whatever, that there's so much around. I mean, the Melbourne International Comedy Festival is having its 30th anniversary next year Gosh. and there'll be 500 shows there, oh, 500. Imagine trying to crack through that 500 to get yourself noticed. I mean, it's, it's yeah. It's Nudity really in Swanston Street is the only way I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Exactly right. Exactly right. Um, I think I've been on a float and Moomba down the middle of Swanson Street. It was great. I was actually on the float for the Mardi Gras too with Julian Clary once. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, that was hilarious. I didn't know what to wear. This was this is a bizarre story. I didn't know what to wear because I was on this lead float and I thought, oh. I eventually, I don't know what the hell I was doing. I dressed like Shea Guevara, you know, in the end with a cigar. <laughs> and then Julian Clary got on in a, in a full-length sort of tight orange jumpsuit and he'd broken his arm so his arm was in plaster and I just took one look at him and thought, well, no one's going to be looking at me. It it doesn't really matter. Oh, dear. It's funny, you know, it is really funny to be able to Look, I look over so many years, though, and um, I'm supposed to be writing my memoir at the moment. I'm like three years behind with my memoir, but so I'm sort of trying. I'm trying to really concentrate on it, but so it's it's a whole series for me at the moment. Of oh my god, I did that as well. Oh, I've forgotten about that. Oh, I did that too. Oh wow. So I'm even if I never write it, I'm really impressed. <laughs> <laughs> Wendy lived the last years of her life quite happily remembering things she did. Yeah, that's right. Indulge myself before the memory runs out, that's for sure. On the Melbourne International Comedy Festival, you were doing shows at that back in its infancy, weren't you? Oh, well, I was in the very first one, yes. Mm. I I was on the board of the comedy festival, as a matter of fact. Um, yeah, yeah, with uh, John Pinder and co. So, yeah, I was there and it's a very yes. inception. And it certainly wasn't the competition around there that there is now, that's for sure. <clears throat> Excuse me, I've got a bit of a my, – my husband and I have got a thing, do you believe a post-viral cough? And they oh. call it the th- the sixth 90-day cough. <coughs> Excuse me, it's disgusting. Anyway. Back when you are 18, that was a three-day cough. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's right. I always think I was really, really lucky, Steve, to be to be in the right place at the right time. Mm-hmm. And I often think that um, if I hadn't come along, someone would have had to invent me because female stand-up comedy was really huge. You know, back mm-hmm. it was back in the back in the early eighties, and Whoopi Goldberg was uh, really famous, and there were. Lots of women doing it in the UK as well. And I think people were looking around and thinking, well, where are our stand-up comedians? And it was like, mm. here, I'm over here. <laughs> and so and so, um, I, really, I really just came onto the scene, as I say, at the right time. You needed to have some serious talent to back that up, though, Wendy. <laughs> I mean, just being Johnny on the spot that could tell a gag isn't going to last very long. 
Well, I, I guess it, guess that's true. And uh, I was reading a nice piece of an interview with John Pinder, uh, mm. who talked about sort of when I arrived and what that was like. That it was a bit of a thunderbolt, you know, because what happened in the Last Laugh and and uh, Le Joke and places like that, they were all blokes on mm. the you know on, on the um, on the bill. And uh, so I came along and, and I remember the men that I performed with. So I could get any gig I wanted, really, because people were sort of, you know, it was sort of women's lib days or whatever you yes. want to call that, you know, fem- second wave of feminism or whatever. And they really knew that they needed to have women on the bill. And so I remember one of the comics said, oh, it's so amazing when you perform because it's a sound we haven't heard before. And instead of the whole audience going, ho, oh, oh, ho, oh, ho, all of a sudden it was ha, 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 ha. Mm. And the bloke said, we've actually not heard that sound before. And that was the sound of just the women laughing, I guess. And the bloke <laughs> sitting there going, oh, she's not very funny. Or <laughs> <laughs> jokes at their expense, right? <laughs> well, because the women would be sitting there saying, she's absolutely right. You do that all the time. <laughs> so, you know, but, um, yeah, so, but, but you're right. Yeah, if I'd been hopeless at it, I suppose I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't have got very far. What happened the last time your heart was broken? Um, gosh, that's a long time. I tell you what, the last time my heart was broken, I wrote a one-woman stage show and two books. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it was a commercial opportunity in the end. <laughs> but that Your heartbreak a, is a tax a, deduction. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But that's a good 25 years ago, I'm happy to say. Apart from Tony Abbott getting elected, that didn't do me much good. <laughs> I felt a bit sooky about that for a while, but that's but that little affair's over now. Well, these things tend to be a little bit cyclical, don't they? They've mm. kind of worked themselves out, and you know, there's a bit of stuff, and then it settles down, and then there's a bit of stuff, and it yeah. settles itself down. Yeah, that's right. What do you do really well? Um, what do I do really well? Um. I know my husband and my son are just around the corner. I'll ask them, what do I do really well? Well, that was crickets for you, so that was great. <laughs> I'm really glad I asked. <laughs> clearly, clearly nothing. <laughs> Look, I don't, know. I don't know what I do really well. In fact, I'll tell you something. Um, in many ways, I think um, I look back at my career and I've done so many different things, mm. uh, if we're talking sort of career-wise at least. I've done so many different things that I wish in some ways that I'd sort of specialised in something. Mm. You know, like in journalism, I guess I loved, you know, being a journo and um, I yes. really did have my sights set on going and being a sort of a London correspondent. I suppose if I concentrated, I would have achieved that. Uh, if I had um, really concentrated on my overseas stand-up career, I was actually cast in a comedy show on um, uh, British television with a whole lot of people who are big stars. I guess if I pursued wow. that over there, I probably could have made something more of it. I mean, I guess if I hadn't 
hived off and gone into radio. And then when I got off radio, if I hadn't raced out and written a few books and then if I hadn't, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and so I haven't really sort of specialised in anything. But um, I know there's quite a few people around who are like me who, I mean, Richard Walsh, for instance, who's a great mate of mine, who's the commissioning editor at Allen and Unwin, he, he's very much the same. You know, he, he just uh, he gets a bit bored and restless and wants to sort of try it all before he pops off. I feel a bit the same too. I haven't written a film script yet. I wouldn't mind giving that a go, but I think that's a bit of a heartbreak, you know, hotel. So, I mean, I think the, 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 the good thing about having a go at a film script is um, could be that um, it I'm at the stage in my career where it doesn't really matter <laughs> If I spend five years on it, you know what I mean? And that seems to be what happens. You can't put your all eggs, all your eggs in one film script basket, that's for sure. Mm, (laughs) It's too heartbreaking. Mm. But, yeah, so so what am I good at? I I think I'm quite good at lots of things. Um, and not particularly brilliant at any of them. There you go. <laughs> but I could be. I could be. I could have been a contender if I really concentrated. There you go. Well, this segues wonderfully then. What one thing would you change about your life today? Um, uh, let me think. Um, well, I think... I wouldn't mind going back and doing the last 10 years again. I mean, just to have those extra 10 years, you know what I mean? It'd be great to go mm-hmm. back to being, be great to go back to being 50 again. Um, uh, but then I hope to make it to 50 one day. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. But that, that's a bit pointless. What one thing would I change? I don't know. I find those questions a bit, a bit odd really, because it's such a hypothetical and it's not going to happen. So I don't think mm. I really indulge those kind of questions really very much you're also at a, at a point in your life and in your career though where you are uh, able to be mm. circumspect about those kinds of questions where it's um you know you recognize the folly of mm, what goods are going to do and, and that sort of thing while seeing your life and going well i i am content with that which i've done on the whole yeah yeah that's right it, it's um it's, I was saying that about 50, why 50 is such an amazing age. 50 is at the age the age where you can really see some patterns in your life. You know, you can really mm-hmm. look back and think, oh, I've done that and I've done that and I've done that and that's a real point where you can kind of change things, you know, and have that, that, so that, that decade of uh, 50 to 60 is really fantastic because um, you can, you know, you can do things differently. And I think, well, I don't know what the 60 to 70 decade is going to be like. Um, I'm just told it's, uh, um, it's do all the things that you, you know, you really want to do while you, you know, still fit enough to do them. But then there are people still doing all their stuff right into their 80s. I don't know. It's really uncharted waters for me. You probably hit me at a time where I'm thinking, hmm, What's next? But I've got a few little tricks up my sleeve. Oh, there's so many things to look forward to in this decade, Wendy. <laughs> yeah, Dinner at yeah. 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, there are. <laughs> naturally waking up at 3 a.m. and going, the day's ready. So much to do. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. 
<laughs> that's a, yeah, that's right. And uh, I, I spent half my life looking for my glasses anyway. So, um, <laughs> that, you know, there's a fair few hours in the day that are already taken up. But uh, I think I think the one thing that sort of occurs to me too is that I haven't sort of read enough. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I would like to. I would like to go back and read more, but I'm reading Stephen Fry's book at the moment. And what I love, he, he says something really interesting. He says that all the things that he read when he was young are still there, right? You know, easily retrievable. All the, all the, you know, the, the quotes and the bits of poetry and the philosophy and, the, you know, all that. And he now he says he's at the age where. He just reads stuff and he can't remember <laughs> and can't remember anything and he has to go back and read it again. And I'm a bit like that too. I sort of, you know, I try and keep myself really well informed and I read everything and, and then when I have to come and write something, I think I haven't got, I can't remember any of any of those uh, things that I've just read recently. Thank Christ for Google is all I can say. <laughs> but, but um, yeah, but it is... Um, I, I find myself at the moment sort of, uh, and I think this is probably the work of, of being being my age, is going back and sort of reading, um, you know, about the Enlightenment or doing something about philosophers or reading comparative mm, religion yes. um, or, or histories or so forth, sort of trying to, trying to put it all together uh, in a way that's coherent. But as I say, I can't remember it, so it doesn't really matter that much. I'm trying, though. Hmm. Hmm. Writing that book will help. Yes. Well, the thing about writing the book, though, is I, I, it's very interesting. I'll have to ring up so many people <laughs> and say, look, the, the hard thing, and ask them what the hell was I doing. The hardest thing, of course, and Stephen Fry talks about this in his, uh, this is his third uh, autobiography, mm. um, and he talks about that conundrum of how to treat people that you've met along the way because you don't really want to be saying, oh, and I worked with Steve Maltzman. He was fantastic. He was such an inspiration. And, you know, and, and then I worked with, you know, I worked with Blah and they were wonderful and they were the, you know, the, because you do work with some assholes, you know, you do, mm. and people let you down and all sorts of things. But but uh, it, it's really how to treat all that. It's interesting to, without, um because you don't want to sort of have a sort of a lump of saccharin, but also yeah. you don't want to, um, you know, make enemies and say things about people who you've moved on anyway and they've moved yes. on, so why rake it over? It's a really interesting conundrum. So I suppose that's why I'm sort of the fingers are hovering over the keyboard. I was a bit like that. I tried to be a – I was working in Melbourne as a journalist and I tried for a while to be a theatre critic. Mm. Um, I was working for the Melbourne Times. Uh, I wasn't doing big theatrical stuff. I was more doing comedy and cabaret. And I was so yes. bad at it because I just couldn't bear <laughs> to say anything mean to about anybody. If the show was really shit, I'd just go, oh, and the costumes were marvellous. <laughs> <laughs> and the audience was really attractive. So, so I had to give it up because I just couldn't. I just couldn't bear anyone not liking me, you know, which is, I mm. suppose, a conundrum that most comedians have. What is a source of strength for you, Wendy? Um, I tell you what is a real source of strength for me is, is and always has been, that um, I have a lot of ideas. 
as mm. one of my friends, Jeff Toovey, says, he calls me the ideas woman. He says, <laughs> what are you thinking today? Yeah, here she is, the ideas woman. And I think that that's, that's always been a real fallback for me, a real yes. a real bedrock that I'd never sit around and wait for the phone to ring. I've always got some little evil plan up my sleeve and <laughs> I've always had uh, I've always had the idea of um, plan A, B, C, D and E uh, going. And I guess that that really gives me a lot of uh, strength and security, you know, the idea that um, – well, I, I never get bored. I don't think I've been bored in my life. And there's always something to do that I know will be really exciting. You know, I love looking at a blank page and I love, you know, coming up with, you know, just coming up with stuff. And so I think I think that that's, that is, a, a, you know, I felt really sort of strong about that. I had that as a strength. And it was a funny thing, I guess, because, my childhood was sort of so uncertain in a way, you know, that mum left home when I was 10 and mm. uh, there was a lot of things to be dealing with in my childhood. And it's a funny thing, you know, a funny thing when I was a kid, I I always felt, and this is, I te- I'm telling you, this is where the psychotherapist comes in and says, <laughs> really, Wendy, do tell me more. <laughs> I um, I always felt that I could belt, I was that I could bend anyone to my will, that I was like a poltergeist, that I could make people do things. (laughs) God. (laughs) And I don't know, I'm sure it was overcompensation for the fact that um, I was probably very powerless in many ways. But I've I've always sort of felt like that I – I've never felt like a powerless person, I suppose. I always – I've felt like I've had – uh, they call it agency now, but um, the strength of character to to mostly make things go my way. Really, Wendy, do tell me more. <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm sure it's not actually true, <laughs> but but I always felt that you know I always felt that like I even when I was a kid. I believe that maybe if I just concentrated on stuff, I could make it move. You know, like I mm. say, like carry in. You know. Like if I just concentrated, I could just probably make that bar shift across the table. So maybe that's a good attribute to have had. I don't know. Maybe it's just really weird. I, I think people are, are drawn to and attracted by the the self-confidence that maybe is exuded around that. And that's certainly something that I know a lot of people are attracted to you in. You're you're someone that is Well, I, I think very well, yeah, it's sort smart. of, you know, can be... Obviously, it's a downside is to be really sort of bossy. But, um, but you know, I think there's a lot of – at the moment, this is, I feel this sort of very pretty strongly that a lot of people talk about um, that they have a great deal of anxiety or they're unsure about themselves and we read about women all the time not talking up their achievements. I mean, there's even a – I was just reading a story in the paper today, why do the – Women always put themselves down and talk themselves down. Yes. And um, I just really do do not want to – I don't want to put that out there as part of my character, um, that I'm really unsure of myself because it's, I don't, it's important that I, that I am um, – that I am a confident person. It's good. I think it's a good role model for my daughter, especially. Yes. And I and I want her to and have self confidence, and 
you know, it doesn't, we don't want to tip it over into arrogance, mm. but and that's when it, um, you know, um, and we we don't want that to, you know, we don't want the, the self-doubt and anxiety either. So I think that, you know, to, to sort of be, put oneself out there as a strong and confident person, it works for me. I hope it works for other people. What are you going to achieve in the next 12 months? Ah, well, I have got a little cunning plan or two, but I can't talk about it yet. But, um, but yes, if it, if it uh, comes off in the way I hope it does, it's going to be a really exciting year next year. I mm. wish I could tell you, but I can't. So I guess we'll just have to keep watching the skies. Yeah, yeah you will, you will, you will. Wendy, thank you so much for the things that you have shared with us today. Please know you're highly valued and that the stuff that you've offered is is very special. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Thanks for dropping by and having a yak. And good luck to you, my friend. And I love everything that you do. And then the, this idea that you have of talking to people on Twitter, I think it's great. And I think that you're absolutely right um, to say that you just don't know where things that you're going to say are going to land and maybe just hover over that, over that, a little button there just a little bit longer absolutely obviously you're on twitter are Mm -hmm. there any other social media accounts you want to admit to oh look i'm on facebook but i'm just crap at it i'm just (laughs) so bad at it because there's so because i've had you know so many careers and i've lived so many places over you know Mm. over the years i know it seems like every time i look on facebook there's a thousand people that i know and I should say hello to, and I just feel completely overwhelmed and I just run away, quite frankly. <laughs> so I just have to do a little bit at a time, eke it out. But I like to, I mean, I find Twitter's great fun. This has been Humans of Twitter, and I can confirm that at Wendy underscore Harmer is indeed a human. Mm.